Well, it's been a good morning already, and trust that our mothers are having a good morning as well. If you open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to look at some verses in that chapter. While you're turning there, there was a little boy that was asked one day, he was asked, what is a sweater? He said, it's something you wear when your mother gets cold. (laughs) Think about that. If you want to know what the world would be like without women, somebody said, visit a man's apartment and see how he lives, eats and dresses when ladies aren't around. And I remember when I was uh, on staff back in Virginia, I went out with the senior pastor one afternoon, we were visiting some folks, uh, and we rang the doorbell in an apartment, and this single guy came to the door and opened it up. He invited us in, and as we walked in and made his way to the living room, we stepped over things laying on the floor. I kid you not. I've seen cleaner chicken coops. I mean, it looked like a tornado just ripped through the place. It was amazing that he even invited us in. I thought, my goodness, I pity the woman who said yes to his marriage proposal. One lady said she couldn't tell the difference between a rose and a dandelion. She said when it came time to fix up her garden, she had no clue which plants to keep and which ones to remove until she said her mother gave her a handy tip. She said, pull them all up. If it comes back, it's a weed. (laughs) Been there, done that. Well, whether you're making a cake or a main delicious meal, the ingredients are pretty important. I remember hearing a story about a young girl who was making a cake because they were having guests over that evening for a meal. And she got the cake all ready and they had a wonderful dinner that evening and, and then they pulled out the cake and cut the cake and began eating the cake and the cake just about finished the guests because when she had looked at the recipe to put the cake together she saw on the recipe it called for a dash of salt but she mistakenly put in a dish of salt. And so needless to say, it took a lot of water to choke down that piece of cake. The ingredients are important for making of a mother as well. And I know that, you know, as we look at this passage, moms are probably like, oh, here it goes. Here comes that beat up the mom's uh, Mother's Day sermon. Uh, That is not the purpose of Proverbs 31 or any of Scripture, really, to beat us up. No, God wants to encourage us. And so really the encouragement here is that mothers are in process. It's not that you've arrived and this is, the, this is the model mother. It's the ideal mother. And a mother who, a lady who first gets married and has a child is not reached Proverbs 31. A mother who has several children, young children, has not reached Proverbs 31. You say, boy, that's pretty judgmental. No. No, this is a model mother. It takes years and years to mature and become this kind of woman, just as it does to become a godly man. 
And so we have to understand as we look at this passage, not to get beat up and say, oh man, I fall far short. We all fall short. But the goal is, God is saying, here's the standard. Here is the, the picture of a mother and what I want to see in a mother. And so it's something we strive for, right? We, two steps forward, a step back, step forward, back. So here is a picture of a model mom, not in the sense of physical appearance, but a model mom in terms of what kind of mom she is. When girls grow up and get married and have a child or children, while it does make them a mother, it does not tell us what kind of mother they are. And here in Proverbs 31, we've been given some specific ingredients that make up the kind of mother that God is looking for. And so really, when we look at the whole book of Proverbs, we look at a book of wisdom, right? It's a book of wisdom. In fact, he, the author gives us, in the book of Proverbs, woman wisdom and woman folly. And he says, woman wisdom builds her house with her hands, and woman folly tears hers down. And so here he gives us uh, one commentator suggested it is nothing short of a brilliant stroke to delay his most convincing portrait of how to live wisely until the very end of the book. And so here we have a model. Let's look at the definition of a model. Something that a copy can be based on because it is an extremely good example of its type. So you want to reproduce, you want a copy, and you want to reproduce that copy. God is saying, here is the model that I want to be copied. Here is what I want to be transferred from one generation to the next, so that we have godly mothers who are raising godly children to pass on a godly heritage. And so really, we want to look at this as an encouragement of how we can be that kind of person and to be encouraged in it in this endeavor. So he starts off in chapter 31, down in verse 10, he says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. He's saying, who can find this kind of woman? Who is gonna discover this kind of woman in essence by chance? They're rare. You don't find them by accident. In fact, another passage of Scripture tells us that finding a wife is a gift from the Lord. It says in Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Some of you have heard me share that uh, before my wife and I started dating, we were involved in a singles group. And in that singles group, we actually met on Monday night. We would go out and visit other singles in our singles class. And there was usually about four of us that went out visiting. I was going out with another guy from seminary, and she was going out with another guy from the class. They weren't dating or anything, but just going out and visiting. And we would meet at the church and pray and get our assignments, go out and visit. But after a few weeks, I thought, you know, it might be good to switch the teams up a little bit here. And uh, so I could, you know, move in a little bit. And uh, I had kind of observed her. The first time I really took notice uh, was at a Christmas party, open house. Uh, all these singles, we had an open house, they had desserts and goodies to eat, and we were sitting around, and, and she came in with her two roommates, and I'll never forget it, I can still see it to this day, like it happened yesterday. All three of the roommates came in, her and her two friends, 
And they all had on red tops and black slacks, right? Yeah, they looked like the three musketeers. And so they came in and they sit down. And, but I watched Pam, and I'll, I'll never forget this. I can still see her sitting on this couch across the living room. She was sitting there and she was encouraging this newer Christian lady in our class. And I was like, man, she's not even looking for a guy. I'm like, this is impressive. And I told her later about that. I said, I was over there like, like, a, like a hunter in a tree stand. <laughs> Without a gun, okay, or a scope. But I was scoping her out. I was checking her out. And I could see her heart for the Lord, uh, and, you know, and observing that. And so I told her that later, and she said, I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> I said, that's because I didn't want you to. <laughs> I observed in secret. And so in an unguarded moment, you can watch and see, what is this person really all about? In an unguarded moment, when they don't know that you're watching and paying attention, what are they really like? So he's saying, who can find this kind of woman? She's worth far more than rubies, far more than precious jewels. In other words, jewels don't exist in the same hemisphere with this kind of woman. Precious jewels can be valuable, but this kind of woman is extremely valuable. Extremely valuable. In fact, in another portion of uh, Proverbs in chapter 8, verse 11, he compares this woman of great value with wisdom. Because he says in Proverbs 8, 11, wisdom is more precious than rubies. So he's saying this is a wise woman. So let's look and see, what does this model woman look like? What does she begin to develop? Godly character. Notice we say a wife of noble character, he says in verse 10, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. So she has godly character. She is valuable, desirable, useful. She's a woman of strength and substance. It says in Proverbs 12:4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Character attraction is more important than physical attraction. Now, physical attraction is important. You've got to have some physical attraction. I remember my mom trying to fix me up with some girls, you know, when I was single. And I'm like, Mom, what does she look like? Well, you know, she's really got a nice personality, right? Okay, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Um, anyhow, you got to have both. But character attraction is so important. And that is built over a lifetime. They are a whip, a work in progress. I'm reminded of the story of Samson, who was physically strong, but he was not real bright. He lacked discernment. He was so attracted to the woman's externals, if you look at the story. And I know God was behind all that. It says that. But he was attracted to her externals, and he told his father and mother, go get this Philistine woman for me. She's the right one for me. Like, don't you see somebody among your own people? And he's like, no, I, I want her. You know? And he didn't want to listen. Um, and it's almost like this idea of instant gratification kills discretion and prudence. But what kind of woman is this godly character? Here's what she possesses. She's capable. 
She's capable. She's firm and strong. She knows her role in the marriage and in the home, and she handles it well. She has discernment and high standards. She doesn't just marry any old guy. She marries a guy that has character. Because if you look down in chapter 31, look later in verse 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She marries a guy that is worthy of respect. See, moms want to teach their daughters what to look for in a husband. Not just any old guy, not just one that will pay attention to him, but it should be a man who has character as well and respect in his life. And so she has that. She's capable. She's very capable. Secondly, she has conviction. She is concerned about her relationship with God. She doesn't live with loose morals. She lives with godly fear. She is not sitting around saturating her mind with soap operas, filling her mind with romance novels, or even killing all of her days on Facebook. Whoops. Yeah, she has conviction. She gets her directions from Colossians, not cosmopolitan. She has conviction. She wants to be a godly woman. She wants to grow in holiness. She knows there's gaps between what she knows and what she believes, and she wants to close that gap. She knows there's gaps between what she believes and what she practices, but she wants to close that gap. She knows there's gaps between her character and biblical truth, and she wants to close that gap. Why? Because Satan wants to work in the gap. He wants to widen the gap. And Christian women want to close the gap. So they become a a godly woman. They're concerned about being sanctified, being holy. When we get into the New Testament, that whole idea of sanctification, this woman has that kind of conviction. She's a woman of purity and reverence. She desires to be led by her husband. Thirdly, she has credibility. She's trustworthy. She loves her husband. She respects his leadership. She prays for his work. She does not do things to cause him to be stressed out. She is dependable and wise. He can confide confide in her, and he knows that she has his back. She's behind him and supports him. He has a sense of security in his relationship with her because her life is governed by truth. She will not run him down behind his back. She will not engage in gossip. She is pleasing, joyful, beneficial to her husband, charming and delightful. Her pleasantness and beauty make her a joy to be around. She's not ugly or disagreeable or unwholesome, bad-tempered. The husband's not afraid to take her out in public. That's good. And notice what it says. Her husband, in verse 11, has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Highlight that. All the days of her life. Why? Don't get crabby in your old age. All the days of your life. The older I get, 
the more I realize that the cup of grace needs to be bigger. It needs to be bigger as you age with grace. The home is a comfort zone, not a war zone. A comfort zone has harmony, encouragement, peace, love. A war zone is full of violence, fighting, landmines, surprise attacks, dismemberment. It's a comfort zone. And the woman helps provide that. That's what a mother helps provide in the home. Well, secondly, not only godly character, but godly behavior as well. We see this in the next several verses. Look down in verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She is diligent. She's not lazy. She's not saying, hey, go bring home the bacon and I'll eat it. No, she's saying, go bring home the bacon and I'm going to do my part to help make it easier for you, to help you bring home the bacon. She's busy with her mind and her hands. She keeps herself occupied with worthy projects. She gets things accomplished. Look down at verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to merchants. She's diligent in what she does. Eager hands means willing hands. She finds pleasure and satisfaction in what she does. There's a sense of joy and delight in her work. And you can tell she finds fulfillment in it. Secondly, she is thrifty as well. Thrifty. Look in verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Drop down to verse 19. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. What I want you to notice is how busy her hands are with what she does. Notice it says in verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Why do her hands busy doing those things? Because she has character. She has godly behavior. She has a godly heart. And see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the abundance of the heart, the hands move. And so she's busy doing the work of building her family, building a godly family, making a difference in the community as well to be that kind of woman. Be encouraged that God wants to use you in that way. See, sometimes women think, well, I'm just trapped at home. I, I, I don't have any opportunity. You have opportunity to make an investment uh, in your children and in the community as well. Thirdly, she takes care of herself. She takes care of herself. Look down in verse 22. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. 
Now, it's not the clothes that make the woman. It's the woman that makes the clothes. But here's the thing. She takes care of herself, too. Uh, and I think that's important. They need time out. Dads, husbands, sometimes we need to give them a break so they can go out with the ladies. Have conversation with adults. Instead of just reading Dr. Seuss all the time, you can go crazy, right? You've got to have time uh, to have those relationships. It's vital to help her keep her sanity and have those opportunities. Fourthly, she is strong. In verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She works hard. She doesn't allow her kids to push her around. She's a woman of respect. It's vital. Then let's look at the last one. Godly wisdom. Well, actually, third, of the, third one. Godly wisdom. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. What does she do with this godly wisdom? She instructs her children. Let me give you three ways she instructs her children. Number one, through teaching through teaching. In 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul tells Timothy how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The question is, when do you start that training? Some people say, well, when they're six years old, you can kind of start the training. Some people say, no, actually, when they're about three, because then you can really start. Some people say when they're born. Actually, you start about 20 years before that. I mean, you are growing in character as even in a single young lady to become a mother. You learn that wisdom and instruction now so that you can pass it on. You don't wait till you get married. Godly wisdom through teaching. It is true, and I don't remember where I heard this at, but loose lips sink ships. <laughs> it's, it's wise lips, wise teaching. Uh, you need to teach your daughter the value of her virginity. It is a precious gift that you can only give away one time, young ladies. And moms need to impress that upon you. That is a precious gift that is protected and reserved for that one special man that God has reserved for you. Teach her what to look for in a young man. Teach your son how to treat a lady. Treat ladies with respect in speech and action. The wisdom of Proverbs gives great insight into relationships, even of the opposite sex. What we should do and what we should not do. How we go about it is so vital. Secondly, through modeling. Modeling. Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice and Paul said, I am persuaded that you have that same faith that your grandmother and your mother had. It's so vital through modeling. I came across this uh, little poem that I thought was impactful called Mother's Influence. It says, I took a piece of plastic clay and idly fashioned it one day. 
And as my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded at my will. I came again when days were past, the form I gave it, still it bore. And as my fingers pressed it still, I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and molded with my power and art a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress bore, and I could change it never more. The impact of impressing small children, teaching them while they're tender and moldable, and what we model is so vital. Also through discipline, through discipline. The more time we spend training on the front end, the less we have to spend disciplining on the back end. The more we can give that instruction and encouragement. Now some kids, the best way they learn is through, it seems like, spanking. <laughs> I don't know why, it's like the more they get, the better it is. Um, but, and there's times we need to do that. The scriptures talk about that. Uh, but discipline is so crucial in shaping and forming them. The last one we want to look at this morning is godly fear. Godly fear. And I just want to mention a couple things here in godly fear. One is humility. Humility. To be able to be led by your husband. You can see she was willing to be led. Her husband had full confidence in her. She brought him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She had a heart of humility. Everybody has heard of Martin Luther, but who knows the name of his mother? The wife of a coal miner who often went hungry so that little Martin might attend school. The humility of a mother, the sacrifice of a mother to help their child become all that God would have for them. And the last thing here is prayer. Prayer. Your prayers are powerful and impactful. Be encouraged in prayer that God can help you. Picture an old woman with a halo of silvered hair, the hot tears flowing down her furrowed cheeks, her worn hands busy over a washboard in a room of poverty, praying for her son, John. John, who ran away from home in his teens to become a sailor. John, of whom it was now reported that he had become a very wicked man, praying, praying always that her son might be of service to God. The mother believed in two things, the power of prayer and the reformation of her son. God answered the prayer by working a miracle in the heart of John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Behind that grace that he found was a praying mother. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning,
I want the mothers to be encouraged. We have some godly mothers in this church, and I'm grateful for you, and godly grandmothers. I'm grateful for each of you. We have others that are maybe at the very beginning stages. And maybe we have some daughters who are at the beginning stages. And maybe you don't understand everything your mother is trying to teach you. And you have clashes with mom. Let me tell you, God has given your mother the mother he wanted you to have is the one you need. And you need to respect your mother. You need to listen to your mother. God has given her that authority and responsibility. And to be able to pass on the faith, you need to have a teachable heart, a humble heart, and say, God, help me. No, moms aren't perfect. But they're in progress. Because one day you're going to be a mother, and you're not going to be a perfect mother either. You're in progress, becoming that model mother, acquiring these characteristics take a lifetime a lifetime but be encouraged we're in progress growth is slow if that's one thing I've learned growth is slow but God is patient and gracious and wants to help us if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's where you begin the process of the making of a mother or anybody else that's here today, maybe you're not a mother and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. The beginning, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Do you fear this God who wants a relationship with you more than you can comprehend? You need to ask him to reveal himself to you and he will by grace. If you have questions, we'd be glad to pray with you after the service how you can have a personal relationship with Christ. Our encouragement to our mothers, press on. Be the godly mom God wants you to be by his grace and by his power. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.